guys, welcome to Color and Emotion episode 19. In this episode, I am going to chat about Sabbath as surrender. I have like such a vibe going right now and it is completely inspiring and relevant to this episode. I am in my apartment in a city that I never thought I would live in, <laughs> let alone enjoy, but I am like falling in love with it. And especially in autumn, like autumn is totally my season. It's the height of my vibe. It's when I got first introduced to the planet and I just am loving the colors out of my window. It's like an overcast moody day. I have my tea, I have a candle crackling and all of that introduction was really just a disclaimer that if you can hear the candle crackling. That is what it is. I'm going to see if it feels like we're at a hearth, if you will. And then I will know for next time whether or not it's too much and I should put it a little bit further away. But anyways, like I said, in this episode, I'm going to chat about Sabbath as surrender. So in episode 17, I talked about mercy for weak belief and about learning to embrace the humility that mystery invites us into. So when we come up against the limitations that are exposed in the simple fact that we don't know what's happening, we don't know what will happen beyond the moment that we are presently in, then it's also rather than like just a default opportunity for frustration, it's an invitation into humility and to mystery and to rely on the Lord and trust him and put faith in him and just like enjoy the adventure that we are all in of our own doing, honestly. Like if we had just followed directions to begin with, none of this would be happening. But the Lord is so kind and redemptive. And so now we're all in this grand adventure together in him, amen, um, awaiting the kingdom and just cooperating with him and co-creating with him to have light and his glory flood the universe. And that is something that is core to my heart and life. Like I'm thinking I'm going to probably end up talking more about that in the next episode, but just I'm passionate about the glory of God. Um, so there's that, but let me come back to episode 19, which is <laughs> that, um, we're gonna talk about Sabbath surrender. Okay. Let me get back to my notes here. I mentioned my personal wrestle with letting go of who and where and how I would have thought I should be by now. That was in episode 18. And so after that episode, I had another epiphany, which was basically that it's not just that I need to let go of who I thought I should be by now. I need to let go of my idea of who I should become at all. Um, (laughs) And so that was like a really great and liberating revelation. So in other previous episodes, I've shared thoughts about comparing my actual self against my idealized versions and realities that I concoct in my mind, and also about the faith and humility that it takes to accept the fact that tares and wheat will grow up together until the Lord determines that the time has come for angels to reveal the difference. So um, basically, if you're not familiar, because sometimes like by the grace of God, I have been walking with him for a while. And I also grew up in a Christian church environment and in a like highly educated intellectual environment. So sometimes I just assume everybody knows what I'm talking about, but that is not always the case. So basically in the Bible, I forgot to find the scripture that was like on my to-do list. Oh, well, I think it's in Matthew, <laughs> but there's a parable where, uh, the Lord is, um, Okay. Dang, what happens? Something happens and his disciples are like asking Jesus, like if basically if they want him, what if I found it right quick? I don't want to tell you guys the wrong thing. 
something goes down in the community and they're like, Jesus, what do you want us to do about this? And basically he's like, nothing, because it's not your job. Um, anyway, so then the he gives this like parable about tares and wheat. And basically tares are like, basically like a weed or some kind of plant that chokes out the life of the wheat that is actually planted on purpose. And what the Lord is telling them in this um, parable is that there's always going to be these weeds that the enemy has sown into the garden right next to the wheat. But at the same time, it's not our job as his disciples to try and uproot the tares because we are basically ill-equipped to do that. And we might accidentally uproot the wheat along with the tares because we are ill-equipped and not skilled for that particular task. So what I've been realizing lately is that like, not only is that a thing within the body of Christ and within like the, the world at large, because what goes along with that truth is that we all see in part, right? So we have limits to what we can actually see spiritually and the revelation that we have. And the more we walk in the light that we do have, the more light that the Lord gives us. But at the same time, we all see dimly and that's just how it's going to be until the Lord reveals his glory to the whole earth. And it's going to be awesome. So, um, when I was kind of sharing thoughts about that, I gave an analogy of how comparing ourselves with one another in the body of Christ and the temptation to try and sanctify ourselves both result in living with autoimmune dis-ease because we invariably end up trying to get rid of components that we actually need. We get rid of features and characteristics that are vital to our development and flourishing. So as I have been falling in love with the East Coast and with East Coast cities, which are different than West Coast cities. So like I am from the South. I'm like a country rule person at heart. And I love having grown up in the South. Like it was a good experience for me. We have our junk and shenanigans as do all other regions and places in the world. But I never like was a city girl in the South and on the East Coast. When I moved in the West Coast, I worked in downtown San Francisco, which is like super city. And the whole of the West Coast is basically city. Like there's suburban parts and there's also rural parts. But where I was, it was just city and suburbia, which was like very much still city in the sense that there were trains that went to those places. <laughs> like, I guess in my mind, that's kind of the thing. Like if you, if you have like a BART stop in your thing, then sure, you're like Lafayette and you're like, you know, Lamarinda and luxury and glam and whatever. And, but you're still close enough. You're on the BART line like you're a city. You know what I'm saying? Anyway, I've been falling in love with the East Coast, which is a surprise to me for like so many different reasons, but it's like the hues and the textures and the tones are just really doing something for me. And I've been thinking a lot about how drastically my desires have changed. And it has sometimes felt in the past couple of like weeks that these new wants that I have are the ones that were the deepest ones all along and that they just had to be chiseled into form. And that led to this still developing idea that within ourselves, we can have the same experience of tares growing upside wheat, which is what I was talking about. So basically I deviated from my notes, got on a tangent, but here we are full circle. (laughs) So at minute eight, I am now ready to embark on this episode. I hope you guys are following, tracking with me. So what I'm finding in myself is that the wheat in me isn't what I thought it was. 
Because reality is turning out to be what once seemed overly romanticized or unreasonable. And some of the things that have most delighted me lately and the things that I find myself committing to God as like very deep desires are things that I would and have previously attempted to prune and uproot in favor of a more algorithmable identity. And so that's yet another reason why the Lord calls us to trust in him with all of our heart and also to trust him with our whole heart and not lean on our own understanding. Because I know there are a lot of people that are like, especially when it comes to like personality testing and stuff, like they don't want to label, like they don't want to be put in a box. That is not me. Like I have tested and categorized as type A, ISTJ, number one, what all the things are that I kind of put way less stock in and have backed away from at this point, but they were helpful in understanding how it was put together. They're not helpful to like put your whole life in and they are questionable at best (laughs) in the origins of some of those things. But the point is I like boxes. I like check boxes. I like lines. I want to be classified and I like schema. Amen. Find it super helpful. So there have been seasons in my history where I couldn't fathom moving back east from California, let alone wanting to, because I had put together in my mind this like identity that was like strictly West Coast. Like I remember I had this really nice pair of cowboy boots when I moved to California. And then I got to this point where I had like fallen in love with California, had fallen in love with this person. I like spun up this whole future in my mind. And I was like, who needs cowboy boots? I'm a West Coast girly now. Gave away my super nice leather cowboy boots at Goodwill, and here we are back on the East Coast. I'm like, dang, I kind of actually need those, but that's okay. The Lord will provide. <clears throat> so anyway, um, that's just kind of like an example of what I mean when I say like the things in me that I tried to get rid of because I had decided I was on this certain trajectory and I was going to become this certain kind of person were actually things in me that the Lord intended to further cultivate and develop. I just got ahead of him and and had no idea. So here I find myself in the heart of an East Coast city and falling in love with everything about it and the different ways in which living here requires me to exercise faith in God and full reliance on him have actually been like really, like I've loved it. Like as I've gotten to this place where I just keep coming back to humility because it's so important and vital, But it's like the humility that effort requires, the humility that embracing mystery requires, the humility that like faith requires has really been life-giving to me lately. And I'm so thankful that the Lord is so kind and didn't like abandon me when I was pitching a fit in the wilderness. But also the ways um, that living here make my heart come alive in the same ways that California still does has been very surprising. So like, for example, I was thinking about gazing out over an airplane wing at the Spanish style tiles and augmenting squares of agriculture as I flew into Santa Barbara in July. And it felt exactly the same as driving into Baltimore, cresting over that bridge in the city with half my earthly belongings in the back of my Subaru in May. And it's like, I was so, because I, like I said, I've been to California before and I, and I know what happened in my heart and my soul when I was there. So when I drove into Baltimore and I was like having that same kind of like core memory experience of like, oh, this is is about to be freaking lit. Like (laughs) I was so surprised by how like energized and inspired, like I was driving into the city, especially because like I've driven to Connecticut from North Carolina and literally cried on the way because I ended up in downtown New York somehow and nobody would let me over and they were all laughing at me and it was very not much what I wanted to be dealing with. But anyways, the point is I don't know myself as well as I think I do. 
And that is evidenced in the ways that I try to like create for myself these lifestyles, these life narratives and stuff. And really, I mean, Jesus is clear about that as well. He says like, he who seeks to save his life will lose it. But if you lose your life for his sake and for the gospel, then you gain it. So again, this episode, though it may feel like a ramble, the core thought is that Sabbath is surrender. Um, So uh, it's been really cool to see how like, God knows me better than I have known myself and that he has intricately gathered me together with purpose and intention and delight to the point where like the environment that I find myself in in this season is like expertly suited to inspire and spur me on towards the natural next step in my journey of pouring myself into songs, which is by itself like not something that I initially started out thinking seriously about. So when I was younger, like I mentioned before, I feel like everybody writes songs when they're a kid. Like that's just what children do. They make up songs, they sing them. But then I was also thinking like there are other things that like when people are called to to do something and called to greatness in a specific field or industry, they do stuff in their childhood that I would never have done. Or even just like thinking about one of my friend's uh, children who's like, ever since she was like, I think I met them when she was like four. And she's always been this like, awesome little artist. And like, she would draw stuff all the time. She was just so creative. And like, I don't remember having that experience as a kid. So I do think that there are some nuances in our childhood that, you know, God is already revealing part of what he put us here to do and accomplish and become. Um, but that being said, like, you know, when I was a kid, everybody that I knew sang, we all just sang. That's just what we did. So I didn't really think much of it, but there were these moments when I would like imagine myself singing in a studio and like making an album. And I was thinking about that recently because I was trying to kind of work through like, well, what do I want from this? Right? Like, yes, I want to do my assignment. And there's these songs that are like burning in my soul that I have to get out. But like, on the fun side of things and just dreaming a little bit, like, what do I dream about? I don't really dream about selling out shows and going on tour and all that. Like I dream about being in a studio close to my house (laughs) and I can just like go in there and like have the most fun and come out with like projects and volumes of music that people can integrate into their everyday life. Like that is something that I'm really passionate about is the way that music comforts and inspires and carries us through life and the way that music keeps time. And so anyway, when I was a teenager, um, before I moved into writing music on purpose, I actually was a dancer and a choreographer. And so I spent countless high school hours soaking in lyrics and melodies that other people had written and pouring myself into movements that felt like it best expressed those songs. And as much as I loved actually like dancing, what I most loved was creating the sequences of movements and arranging them dynamically within the measures of music, because at the time it felt like the fullest way to like completely immerse myself in it and experience the music. So although there were plenty of songs and jingles that I wrote in my childhood, it wasn't until I was most of the way through college that I started to take seriously this idea that I might be a songwriter. And so at each of those stages, the gifts that were waiting for me in the next stage always seemed unfathomable until I actually 
intersected them. So lately, in my quest to relinquish the worship of time, I'm realizing that it's entirely possible that I'm not actually behind, that perhaps God always intended for me to spend my teens absorbing and pouring myself into other people's music and spend my 20s writing my own songs and spend my 30s producing them. So if you know, if nothing else, he knew it would take me this long to completely get with the program. So there's comfort in the fact that he's not surprised. But collectively, I was thinking more about like mystery and humility and delighting in the attributes of God that feel most challenging to our individual dispositions and the things about him that feel most beyond the stretch of our comprehension. So like I was saying before, like I'm somebody like I like to be categorized by personality and all that kind of thing and understand how I'm put together and like I, I tend to limit myself and I tend to limit God. And, and that's not good. It's not a good thing, <laughs> but it's just, you know, that's kind of like my starting point. So my thing is learning to be more open and to be more courageous and fearless in regard to like, I guess <clears throat> an example that I will give is like, I'm somebody that like, I like to know what the limits are because that makes me feel safer to fully explore them. Whereas I feel like some people don't want offense at all because the fact that offense exists immediately makes them feel confined and they'd rather just like fall off a cliff by accident than have offense to keep them from doing that. <laughs> so we all have things about God that are like challenging to the way that we're put together, but everything about God is good. And so we all are coming from different places to like being shaped into the image of Jesus, but also in this humility of like letting God be who he is and just appreciating who he is. So, um, I was kind of like thinking about those things and also meditating on Sabbath and really wanting to have an, a non-legalistic scriptural experiential understanding of what Sabbath is. And part of what Sabbath is that I've been thinking about lately is surrendering any delusions of control surrendering any attachments to specific outcomes, surrendering the need to figure everything out, to figure God out, and resting for a moment from our attempts to understand the Almighty. And in um, Isaiah 58, the Lord is actually correcting his people's perspectives on who they should be and how they should worship him. And it's also specific to the Sabbath. So this has been a really helpful passage to me lately. And in it, we are instructed to call the Sabbath a delight. So when I was reading through it, what stood out to me most recently was verse nine that says, then you shall call and the Lord will answer. You shall cry and he will say, here I am. If you take away the yoke from your midst, the pointing of the finger and speaking wickedness. And when I was reading this, I was thinking about the rest that God has given me recently, because for the past couple of years, I was feeling like he and I had like a hard marriage. It was just like, everything just felt hard. Like I didn't really feel like talking to him, but I knew that I needed to and should and whatever else. And like, <laughs> just it was just not very fun, you know? And it just felt like, and I've seen people that have hard marriages. And so for a long time, I was like terrified of having a hard marriage myself. And so it's interesting that the Lord took me through this season of like hanging on by thread to, to covenant and commitment to him. At least it felt that way. Because I, I know he's good and I don't want to be, I mean, there, who else, I mean, where else would I go? You know, like the disciples said, like, Jesus has the word of life. Like, where else am I going to go? But at the same time, sometimes you're just like, it's all so much, you know? 
So anyway, um, what preceded the relief that I have recently had was me deciding by faith to put my confidence back in his goodness. And again, I'm going to talk more about that in the next episode about like confidence and about the glory of God and just the passion that I have for that. But basically I was like, you know what? God has been good to me and I have spent plenty of time acknowledging and grieving and lamenting this hard season that he walked me through. And also like he walked me through it to humble me and do me good in the end, like it says in Deuteronomy. And I know that because I know how, um, oh yikes, I almost spilled my, I got really excited. Sorry. <laughs> I almost spilled my microphone into my hot tea. Um, I know how, how much pride I was operating in. Like I know it now and I know how blind I was to it. And it was very sobering to realize like, oh, I was really out of pocket and had absolutely no idea. So like, I'm really thankful to the Lord for walking me through that season. And when I took away, as um, Isaiah 58 says, the pointing of the finger, which I was realizing is like pointing my finger at God in accusation and speaking wickedness by way of hashing and rehashing things that I knew to be untrue of his nature to begin with, but just getting way too far into my feelings and like yielding to thoughts that are not right. Um, So when I was like basically divorcing myself from that and I was calling out to him from a heart posture that was humble, then he immediately like came close to me with comfort and bound up my wounds. Anyway, Psalm 37 (laughs) holds a verse that is familiar to a lot of people, which says like, delight yourself in the Lord and he shall give you the desires of your heart. And similarly in Isaiah 58, which I had turned to, but then I tried to find Matthew. So bear with me. Okay, here we go. And Isaiah 58 verse 11 in the English standard version, it says, and the Lord will guide you continually and satisfy your desires in scorched places and make your bones strong. And you shall be like a well-watered garden, like a spring of water whose waters do not fail. And so I was reading that and realizing that most of what has prevented me from delighting in God lately in that season of feeling like the relationship and covenant that I have with him was not delightful was me trying to figure him out rather than resting in whatever expressions of himself that he chose to present in any season. And rather than like trusting his, his heart in all of the circumstances when I couldn't see his hand, as they say. And again, just embracing that humility that mystery requires, like all of that has served to pull me into a deeper delight in the personhood of God. When I got out of my own head about my own life and just kind of like basically checked myself and like got my life together by his grace. Like it's not about me. And I was just so fixated on like my life and my experiences and like what I thought would happen and all this stuff. And it's like, okay, but like (laughs) there's a whole planet happening. There's a whole human history and you have this privileged place of, you know, like to live in this era is a privilege, but also to come from a people that already knew the Lord is a privilege. And I have this heritage that is such an honor to carry. And so I really don't want to lose sight of that in unthankfulness and ridiculousness and shenanigans. So anyway, as I'm saying right now, and as I mentioned before, like contextualizing my relationship with God as a relationship helps me navigate discipleship in practical ways. So even just thinking about like how attractive we find people who are unpretentiously mysterious kind of communicates the appeal of that attribute in God. And it like brings us to this place of awe and delight and like reverence for him that I think has largely been lost in our society. 
And the fact that God has the self-discipline and meekness and humility within himself to contain such majestic mysteries, despite all of our accusations and like millennia of accusations that he has endured from people who without him wouldn't have the breath to communicate their disdain for his, you know, plan or to make arguments against him. Like he's just so boss. Like God, like when you really think about like who he is and what he could do in just a moment and how much restraint he has and how much kindness and how like long his wick is, so to speak. And just like the long suffering of like being a God who is interested in building people up rather than tearing them down and using his power in love rather than in destruction. Even though we just talk like so much trash about him all the time and we accuse him all the time and we're so ignorant of so many things. So anyway, just like recognizing all of that and recognizing like the the goodness that God has had in mind for me all along while I've been like fixated with my head turned in the wrong direction and he's been like putting together this glorious season and life and calling for me has really like restored delight for me and our relationship. And so I'm really awed by his humility, just like what it says in First Peter 2, where um, it says that rather than retaliate when he was reviled, Jesus entrusted himself to God who judges justly. And so I want to be more like that rather than being quickly triggered and like pulled into pettiness and snark. And I think like when you let yourself be overwhelmed by waves of negativity, then it really does like, blind you to the goodness and the glory of God. And so that delight is lost. The awe and reverence is lost. And we find ourselves saying stuff and just living in a way that is so far below what is like, we're not living in a way that is worthy of our calling. But even then God is so kind and his kindness continually leads me to repentance and deeper levels of surrender and in that way, I'm learning to, <laughs> to to bring this back to what it was supposed to have coherently been about surrender and just like the, the rest in that. Like there's so much rest in not having to figure God out, not having to figure out my life. You know, it brings to mind the song that I wrote um, a couple months ago from Proverbs. And the verse that inspired that song says... Um, there are many plans in the heart of a man. The Lord's is a plan that'll stand in the end. It's kind of a bop. I know it sounds a little bit cheesy in the rhyme, but it's a vibe. <laughs> many are the ways that I've tried to make. His purpose is the path that I can't escape. If my steps are placed, why try to understand everything along the way? And so that that part is the, the all of it is like from that same passage of scripture or like a, a couple different passages, I think. But yeah, so Proverbs 16, 9. Proverbs 19.21, Proverbs 20.24, basically in the same way that Ecclesiastes is saying, like, why are you even trying to figure God out? Like, it's just not going to happen. You're just going to make yourself miserable and frustrated. Just like, let it go. Trust him and enjoy this adventure because this is what we're doing until we get to the destination. So thank you guys for listening. This felt like quite a ramble, but that's okay. Um, because you know what? I had fun recording it. I really did. And that was my metric for this podcast as a recovering perfectionist. I decided I was going to follow through with it and have fun doing it. So check and check. (laughs) 
If you guys are interested in my next episode, uh, like I said, I'm planning to chat more about confidence and how confidence produces joy because that is sort of like the other piece of this thing where like my delight in the Lord and my awe and reverence of him has been restored. And with that confidence in who he is and what he will do is just producing joy and the joy of the Lord is our strength. So take heart guys. Thanks for listening. I will be back to chat to you soon. Bye.